Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of FinTV. Today, we're joined by Stefan DeVars, who is Executive Vice President of O9 Solutions. Stefan, welcome to the uh, podcast. Hey, thanks, Maria. Good seeing you again, as always. Yeah. Um, love, to be, uh, love to be in a podcast with you. Great. Well, you know, I, I think you and I were talking about this before we went live, about whether or not people are COVID fatigued or COVID tired. I don't want to spend the podcast talking about this. But let's start with where, what you're seeing in the industry right now. Yeah, I think uh, I would say across you know, industries, I think um, there's a couple of things that we are seeing. First of all, think about companies when they look into their demand profile, right? They have seen you know, very, very dramatic changes, right? First of all, we've seen a massive shift from the channel, right? Everyone all of a sudden, sort of overnight, going to online versus, you know, traditional uh, brick and mortar. So that's a big one. Second one is think about the product mix shift, right? That we have uh, observed as well. So there are, you know, there is a substantial increase uh, for products, um, you know, that are now uh, very much in need. uh, While, you know, demand for other products uh, have just, you know, completely vanished. And then I think the third thing is we see this sort of regional shift. So some companies are reopening again, right? Some other countries not. Uh, and we see this sort of continuous shift. Uh, and that is obviously, you know, changing the demand profile for organizations. So there's a lot of sort of disruption on the demand side. And then if you look into how many uh, or how organizations are organized today, I mean, actually, they are still sort of predicting demand based on what they sold, you know, last year. Now, that's are, not are they, to fly. Are, yeah. are they really doing that? Majority, majority. So this is, we can talk about that, but it's still amazing me, right? That, you know, in the digital era that we are living in today, right? We, we, we have all the information and can, you know, uh, look into everything online and on our mobile phones and whatever. Then you step into, you know, um, an enterprise. And what do we see there is we are going to predict the month based on what we sold last year. And um, that is something that is obviously not working. So how do we get closer to the end customer? You know, if I am a brand manufacturer and I sell to retail, that's great. But I really want to understand, right, Maria, why are you walking into that retail store and buying that product? So we need to get closer to the consumer. If I am a a B2B organization, right, I'm supplying to, uh, for instance, the automotive uh, industry, then I want to understand, right, how many cars are being manufactured why, where, and so on. So we need to get closer to the end customer. That is, you know, critical. Then on the supply side, what have we seen, right? Is suppliers across the world, right? Have really slowed down or stopped production. And again, then we see sort of, hey, China's opening again. And then Vietnam is opening again. Some plants in Germany are opening again. So it's not very clear, you know, what is actually the total capacity in the market? What about the logistics routes and so forth? So what is really missing for many organizations is the visibility in their supply chain in terms of, you know, capacities, constraints, and so forth. 
So what we have actually observed is that companies are not really monitoring what is driving you know, and, and demand. Companies don't have the visibility upstream in their supply chain. So it's sort of you're flying a plane, right? And um, all your navigation, uh, more or less equipment and everything stops working. So you have no clue where you're heading to. You, you actually don't know how much fuel you have in the tank. And, um, you know, bad weather is, uh, is, is, is right there. So visibility is very poor as well. So then what to do? And actually, that is the situation that many companies are in today. And obviously, there is, a, there is definitely a, a need here, you know, for technology providers to support companies in sort of overcoming those challenges. And, and that's, that's, that's what we see. Um, and then on top of that, what we see is those companies right, that lack actually that visibility and, and that lack the data, they really struggle with understanding the impact of COVID, but also the response analysis in terms of, hey, you know, how do I optimally rebalance my inventory? How do I evaluate alternate sources of supply, right? How do I actually develop some sort of business a continuity or P&L scenarios that I can present to my executives, you know, based on certain scenarios? And I think um, a lot of companies, right, they do that in Excel. Um, they're very reliant on, you know, a couple of key folks in the organization that are able to actually do that. And obviously, um, it's really this, this crisis is uh, sort of exposing the weaknesses in how organizations are managing their supply chains today. And uh, our point of view is that it has to change. Uh, but at the same time, it's not um, something that is, uh, you know, sort of a big boom or far away. No, there are companies that are actually, you know, doing this and have been able to actually uh, sort of manage through the crisis much better than others. So I would say, um, yes, uh, big challenges and uh, definitely some issues to solve. But uh, the good thing is, right, there are uh, solutions and, uh, and possibilities there uh, to leapfrog and to, uh, to start solving some of them. So let me go back to some of the some of the things that you just said. I mean, I like your analogy of flying a plane in the fog with all your instrumentation broken. I would probably add to that if you're relying on data that is historical uh, and you're not really taking real accurate information, you're essentially flying with also the same flight plan uh, from last year. Uh, so to, to take that analogy with you, everything's broken, foggy, and you're flying on the same flight plan without making any kind of changes. So there's a lot of data out there. There's a lot of information out there, um, especially around a lot of hype around technology. Um, but do you think that the COVID situation can help companies probably assess where they are right now and look at the possibilities of how they come out of this stronger? So in other words, the opportunities for new business, the way that they function within business or opportunities for digital transformation. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Maria. I think that is something that is not very tough you know, to assess where you are, because I think a lot of companies that are facing those uh, issues now in terms of assessing demand or the responsiveness and agility of their supply chain. You know, actually what, what I see now a lot on, on LinkedIn and news, it's sort of the, the resilient supply chain is back. Right now, obviously, that's not something that um, is something completely new, but now companies really understand what it means if you don't have a resilient supply chain. So I think assessing the status quo um, is not that difficult. I think companies know where they are. I think they struggle a little bit to find out, okay, how to leapfrog. I think that is one. But the other thing is sort of, you know, if you think about it from a sort of broader perspective, 
right? Not so much related to supply chain planning, uh, but you know, what is actually uh, going to be the impact on your business, right? Will we ever go back to what we assume to be the norm, right? Maybe six months ago. So how are we going to transform our business models to sort of, you know, um, adapt to how the world is going to look like, you know, post COVID-19. And uh, I think two days ago or so, um, you know, you see, for instance, Facebook made a big announcement that through e-com and shops, they want to go after Amazon. And you see more of that, right? That uh, actually a competition can uh, come from, you know, various angles that you might not expect today. And the R companies, especially the ones that are, you know, tech savvy and that understand, you know, the value of um, being digital, because it just means they are much more agile. They are faster in terms of understanding what's happening uh, across uh, industries and, and in the market, which means they are faster to respond as well. So I really do believe that companies that are behind on sort of the digital transformation curve and not only related to supply chain, right? But I think from a broader point of view, they really, really need to step up, right? It's sort of a call to action because, you know, if you're not uh, thinking about, you know, how you can drive your business in a more digital fashion with data-driven decisions and, and building up sort of a knowledge model of your enterprise, you, you really are going to be left, uh, left behind. You know, it's, it's funny that uh, I, I saw this cartoon, I'm sure everyone's seen it by this point, which was sort of what, uh, what drove your digital transformation strategy? Was it A, your CEO, B, your CTO, or C, COVID-19? No. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of the reality for everybody. Now, if we go back before COVID, let's remember a world before this. Before COVID, everybody was talking about digital transformation and they were implementing different little bits about, of digital transformation. What do you think is going to happen to the companies that don't really accelerate that process now in the post-COVID world? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, they really will struggle, right? Because if your competition um, is, uh, is moving towards a much more sort of ideal digital state, then you're really going to struggle. So let me give you this example, right? Assume um, a lot of uh, big, actually, um, CPG companies are reaching out and they say, I want to become the Amazon of my industry. Now, why do they want to become that, right? I think about sort of what is the secret source of Amazon's business model is they are sort of in real time connected with the end consumer as well as, you know, with the supplier. And they connect that to sort of a planning slash AI and analytics engine so that they, the knowledge they built you know, in terms of the consumer knowledge and the supplier knowledge is what they use to then start shaping supply and demand in real time, right? They can do that to placement, to search, to product ratings, to pricing, whatever. Now, if you think about, you know, the CPG company and how they operate today, there is like a, a commercial function, right? They interact with the clients and they sort of plan all the commercial activities. Then you have a supply chain engine that often takes that manual input, you know, sort of forecast what is going to be the demand the next 18 months, and then make sure that, you know, the supply chain can produce against that. And then obviously there are, you know, procurements and, you know, factory and, and, and all those, but those are then disconnected from the suppliers. So there's no sort of digital connect to the customer and to the supplier in today's world for a lot of CPG companies. 
which means that if they really want to start understanding what's happening in the market and how to uh, sort of shape supply and demand in real time, they can't. They, they cannot do that today. But now assume that you would actually, as a CPG company, be much more real-time connected to your retailers and distributors, but also start building up information about what is driving you know, consumption and sellout, being competitor activity or pricing, could be social media, can be uh, weather or you know, whatever driver of the market. Or a, combination, or a combination of all of those things. Exactly right. So the moment you're sort of you know, connected to, let's say, uh, that retailer in real time, on top of that, you actually get all the consumer data, you build up that deep knowledge, now you connected them to a planning and analytics sort of engine, now you can start actually shaping the month in real time. And I think that is important, and that's also how we need to sort of rethink how we can use planning and analytics. Right? Another example is a lot of those companies, they now um, reach out and they say, hey, how do I make my sales organization more effective? Because if we think about how the sales organization works at a lot of companies, it's a lot of manual work, right? So they have the sort of the, they interact with the, the customer, of course. But then all the sort of tools that they use are very internal focused, whether it's a CRM system to maintain your opportunities, or it's a trade promo tool to sort of use a system of record for your trade promotions, depending on the industry. It's all very internally focused. But what you want to do is actually say, hey, I, um, I want to analyze how I can sort of make sure that my product gets assorted in 500 more stores. What do I need for that? Obviously, I need to have a business case that I can present to my clients. So the client you know, feels like, yeah, this makes sense. We're all going to make more money. Let's do this. But in order to do that, that is where all those data sources and that analytics are coming together. Right? Because in order for this product to be assorted in, in those stores, first of all, who are we targeting with this product? Is that aligned with the demographics you know, around that store and, and that store expansion that we are targeting and so forth? So those are the kind of things we need to start thinking about because then through digital device, you know, we can actually send that business case right there to the account executive. Account executives goes out, talks to the retailer and gets it done. Right, and, and there are so many of those use cases in the B2B world the same, right? And this is obviously on the, on the customer collab, but we have the similar examples on the supplier collaboration. And I really do believe that if companies are still thinking within the four walls of the enterprise and sort of, you know, are not adopting advanced technologies or sort of piloting around, it's not going to fly. And we but, but you know what? These, yeah. I, I was I was just going to say, sorry to interrupt you, but I was just going to say that I would even add to that, that it's not just about thinking in these four walls. It's you've, from the beginning of your conversation, you said that it's about connecting with your client. That's the start of the conversation and that's the end of the conversation. The supply and demand is in between that. It's the, you know, what helps you get that visibility, right? And what helps you uh, deliver to your client. If companies are looking at this as this is a cost center, that is a cost center, this is something that, uh, you know, uh, is a silo here, you know, if they're all siloed, right, then that's part of the problem too. There's so much data that is needed to process to in order to get that kind of insight into your client. Is AI probably one of the only things that will help us uh, crunch that? Yeah, I think, I think absolutely. I think all those big companies, they're super data rich. I mean, there's no lack of data, but there is a complete lack of insights. Because to your point, right, the, the commercial teams, 
they might be looking into a couple of uh, data points, then the supply chain team and so forth. But no one is truly connecting the dots here. And there's no way that without advanced analytics, you can actually connect the dots. So we need to start making use of you know, advanced analytics in terms of ML and AI and so forth to sort of start consuming the data, right? Starting to recognize patterns and based on that doing better predictions. And um, I think a lot, for a lot of people, it's still sort of, yeah, it sounds far away. And really, I mean, is this really going to prescribe me what to do? And, and, and the answer to that is yes. We see time over time over time with our clients, right? That uh, advanced analytics type of algorithms outperform, right? Human performance, as well as outperform traditional step models. And I think that is so important that we need to start uh, investing in those kind of techniques uh, because otherwise, again, uh, we will have a very hard time managing our business. And if we really want to you know, make a step forward, uh, that's how we need to look into things. Well, I think, frankly, um, the, we talked about predicting the unpredictable, right? It's kind of hard to predict the unpredictable. We're sort of in a, a very crazy time yeah, right now. And I think most companies, throughout their budgets, throughout their plans, sometime in March or April. I know I did, I'm sure you did too. All those plans that were lovely laid out, they're gone. So how do we create the future? How do we survive in this future and disrupt in this future and innovate in this future? Now, AI and ML and, and, and advanced analytics will take all the multiple data points, like you're saying, there's loads of, we're data rich, and will that help you navigate this unpredictability? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, completely agree with you, uh, uh, Maria. There are always things that we can't predict, right? That's why there's no organization uh, that has just a perfect forecast. It doesn't exist, right? So if we take that point, because it's interesting, what that actually means is that there's always a level of uncertainty and there's, there are always things that we can't predict. Fine, right? We, we acknowledge that. Which means that we need to have a very responsive, an agile supply chain so that we can respond very fast. But now what's happening and why those drivers of demand are so important, that helps you detecting demand risks and opportunities way earlier. So the earlier you detect an opportunity or risk, the faster you can respond. So, and that is why that's so important. So yes, we see that uh, those drivers, the moment we incorporate those into machine learning forecasting models, accuracy increases. But to your point, there are always things we can't predict. That is where we need to look into those drivers to start spotting risks and opportunities earlier. But then on the supply side, we need to have that you know, entire sort of supply chain laid out there, have the visibility, have the, agile, uh, the agility to then respond uh, extremely fast. And I think uh, that, uh, Maria, is a great point, uh, right? That, and, and you mentioned that as well, sort of the sequential silos uh, that are still happening in a lot of organizations. We need to, uh, we really need to move away from that. So yes, uh, what is the best answer to, uh, um, to, to un unpredictable events? I would say it's responsiveness and having a very agile supply chain. And I'm going to ask you a question that I know you've answered before in, in several of the things that we've done together, which is the role of the planner for the future. You know, does the ad advancement of AI and machine learning and all these advanced analytics mean that the 
role of the planner is diminished or does this supplement the role of the planner? And what kind of supply chain can you build with this when you have a good planner and this technology? I think the role of the planner is, uh, is, uh, is changing. Um, actually, Maria, and I think uh, that I think uh, a lot of people uh, would agree with. Um, a lot of, uh, I think, big consulting houses have studied, you know, planners and more or less what are they working on today. And 60, 70, 75%, you know, depending on the industry, depending on the organization, but that's sort of the time spent of a single planner on crunching Excel. Now, that's not very value-added work. Uh, not many planners really like that, and it's not really adding a lot of value for the organization. So what if you could actually, you know, take away, you know, that work and actually have that, you know, have, have technology take over that? Well, now planners can start, you know, really putting in their sort of brain power to, I would say, start augmenting, right, what uh, advanced analytics can do. And I don't think that, you know, the, the human factor in supply chain will entirely go away. Obviously, it is, you know, where sort of machine and human come together. Uh, so I think that's, that's one important thing. The other important thing is, and I, I actually like that, uh, we were having an, um, a good conversation with our friends uh, from McKinsey. And one of the things uh, they came back with, they said, hey, what they actually, a lot of organizations now find out, remote working is possible. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that we can see an increase in sort of centralized supply chain planning? Because the whole philosophy of a lot of organizations is, no, my demand planners need to be close to the market. I need to have production planners and supply planners in every factory. But is that really the case? Because if we start connecting the dots, right, maybe I can actually run supply chain in a more centralized way, right, with advanced analytics. And uh, I think the sort of the, uh, the best people in the supply chain organization are looking after that. So I do believe, though, that over time, right, um, supply chain planners, you know, demand planners, in general planners, uh, that role will change and more, I would say, data analysts. Um, and then obviously you need to have, um, you know, people that are very business savvy so that they're able to actually take the output uh, from sort of the analytics and translate that into something that is digestible at I would say, uh, management uh, and up level in terms of, hey, here are different scenarios. Those are the different assumptions. Here are the different trade-offs. And uh, this would be our recommended uh, scenario. And now mm -hmm. it's up to you guys to, to review and, uh, and, and approve. So I think, uh, yeah, there will be an, uh, uh, a change. Uh, but I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's a good one. Well, it, it, I think you could probably argue that this crisis can also offer opportunities for a lot of businesses to rethink their business models. Like you said, you know, never would we have predicted six months ago that we'd all be working from home and it's still working. Now, is it ideal? Probably not, but it's, it can work. So the remote working, remote working exper experiment has worked to some degree. So centralized supply chain is possible. But let's talk about um, implementing this. You know, previously... The talk of AI and ML seemed like a faraway concept that is a, a bit too big. You and I have talked about this before. So if companies that are maybe embarked on their, have embarked on their digital transformation journey today or recently or are in the middle of this, how quickly can they implement this kind of thing? How easy is it to do? How reachable is this? 
Yeah, I think first of all, unfortunately, you know, many organizations still take the traditional approach. So, you know, they partner up with a um, consulting firm and they start to sort of, um, you know, start defining what is the strategy. So they spend the three months, they end up with a beautiful PowerPoint, right? Then they're going to look into, okay, what kind of tech uh, companies are out there? Um, then, you know, they are going to run software selection, takes them nine months. Then first they come back to the consulting partner, you know, ask to develop the 2B processes at the lowest level. And then finally, they start actually doing something, realizing that technology is far more advanced than you could ever have imagined. And, and, you, and, and you've lost 18 months right there. So we need to rethink, right? And think about Uber, right? Airbnb, Google. I mean, how fast they come with, you know, new solutions to the market. So, and actually what, what you see them doing, identify a business problem, create a prototype that should be solving their business problem, test it, right? Prove the value. If it works, scale. We do exactly the same, right? What is the business problem? Let's solve that business problem in terms of building out a prototype. And that's normally something we do like 90 days, uh, Maria. So really, yeah, wow. normally around 90 days. So you deliver that prototype based on that. What's very interesting to see is then executives start to understand, oh, this is what digital transformation actually means for my organization. I see my people here, you know, actually demonstrating this in the platform. I see my data. I now get a sense of how I can solve my process, my change and my data challenges and so forth. And now I sort of can see the roadmap going forward. It's a completely different way than after three or four months looking at a, you know, 120 page PowerPoint and sort of, difficult to understand how that really, really works, right? And I think that is where we need to start really rethink um, how we do things, Maria, and, and, and start, you know, sort of build a prototype and then have those, you know, incremental sort of uh, capabilities that you build on top. And, and that's a new way of, of digital transformation because those large, you know, big bank projects, those are developing everything in PowerPoint down to the lowest level. I mean, it's not working. And I think I, I'm still sometimes shocked that organizations still want to go on the, on the journey like that because the past 20 years really has demonstrated that that doesn't work. And now the issue is for those organizations, the, the pace of change in the market is so much faster that you, you literally don't have the time. So you need to do it fast and you need to do it agile. And if you don't do it like that, I mean, forget it. Well, there, there'll be, I mean, there'll be companies that aren't, that weren't, uh, that aren't around uh, very soon uh, that will maybe were dominating last century, dominating the, uh, uh, the last 20 years because they weren't that quick. Um, any, any last thoughts, any advice that you can give people in, in helping them create a responsive, agile and resilient supply chain? Yeah. I mean, Maria, as I always say, I mean, the main constraint is companies are not starting. Yeah. If, if, you, if you don't start today, you've lost the day. And this is really how we see it, where you have to start. And you can start small. That's the whole point. Uh, because that is, you know, going to give you a sense of what is possible. And then you can uh, more or less uh, accelerate from there. But still, I think people fear the big, you know, 36 months or five-year programs, not delivering value, budget overruns and all that stuff. And that's where we say, hey, that is not, you know, how digital transformation happens nowadays. And that is the conversation that, that we are having. 
Now, fortunately, there are a lot of companies that completely understand that, uh, that embarking on journeys like that, test out a value, implement, build incremental capabilities on top. Um, but to the companies that don't today, I mean, please do, uh, because it's, it's, it's really needed uh, to sort of uh, get yourself uh, into a nice spot so that you can start growing the business again. So I would probably end this by saying that digital transformation doesn't have to be slow and painful. Uh, just start. And it's fun, Maria. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's fun. And then, and more importantly, connect with your client. By connecting with your client, you stay competitive. Yeah. Sounds pretty logical to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one of the, the what, what I like and just uh, maybe last comment, uh, we, did a, we did a webinar with Chris Thias, right? He's the um, former chief supply chain officer of Nestle. And uh, during the webinar, he got a questions about, you know, the organizational sort of model of organizations or, you know, the standard operating model of an organization and how that will change and so forth. And um, his answer to that, and I still like that so much, forget about that. Forget about all that, right? All the, the work to sort of recreate that. Start with who your customer is. What are the demands of your customer? And then build, you know, backwards from there. And I love that, right? And I think that's, that, that's what it is, right? Let's start with, you know, the, the end customer in mind and then start transforming accordingly. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Stefan, for joining us. Uh, thank you for being part of this. I think start with your, uh, with your customer. I, I love that. The, the digital transformation journey starts with your customer. There you, you go. Know? Thanks, there buddy. you go. No, my pleasure. We'll see you soon. And those of, us those of you tuning in, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you uh, again later.